There's people who are striving for food in this world. There's nearly one billion hungry people on this planet. But we, we here in the global north just throw food away like it's nothing. If I'm going to do this, it needs to be educational. It needs to be inspiring. It needs to be entertaining. And it needs to hopefully uh, transform the way people look, see, and cook food at home. Hey guys, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, host of the podcast. This week, I am very excited about the guest that has joined me in my kitchen. I have followed him for at least 10 years, and he has inspired so much of my cooking and the dishes that I create at home. I am joined today by Max Lamana, the content creator, chef, and author. The way I met Max is actually a great story and one that I speak about quite a bit in this episode, but we met at a supper club. I went to the carousel where Max was hosting for the week and enjoyed an incredible, incredible meal. And from then on, I was like, Max, you've got to come on my podcast. And we finally made it happen. Max has a million followers online where he inspires people to cook delicious plant-based food, which also uses the whole vegetable and therefore reduces food waste, which is another passion of Max's. Max is currently promoting his second book, You Can Cook This, and in this episode we discuss his journey to where he is today. We talk about how and why he turned vegan, how he built his following online, and where his passion comes from. Honestly, I could have spoken to Max all day about all things food. It was such a great episode. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, and as always, have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Max, so nice to see you. Welcome to my kitchen. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Georgia. You're welcome. So to start things off, do you mind giving a quick elevator pitch? Who you are, what you do? Oh, who am I and what do I do? <laughs> uh, I'm Max Lamana. I'm a lowest chef, author, campaigner, digital content creator, my multi-hyphen. Yeah, amazing. All of it. Amazing, amazing. I love it. So we have a quick fire round to kick things off about all things food. Oh, right into it. Right love into it. it. Sweet or savory? Ooh, savory. Pizza or pasta? Oh, pasta. Go-to cuisine? Uh, Asian. And cook in or eat out? Cook in. And what's your favorite delivery or do you delivery? Ooh, do I do delivery? Uh, I do, when I'm in London, I typically just go for, because um, I'm in Southeast London. Mm-hmm. So I will go for a, I think they're, they're Thai and they're called Thai oh amazing um T I think it's just called T-A-I is nice. the name of the restaurant and I get a drunken drunken noodle nice good mm, one I think yeah. Asian's always a good one to go yeah. for on delivery yeah so before I actually go into my first question I think it'd be really cool to explain to people listening how I met you at yes. the carousel so I remember seeing it I think I can't remember how I saw it advertised I want to say it was on Instagram or something mm. And I was like, I have to go. Because I've followed your page since, oh my God, years. Since I was at school. Really? Yeah, years and years and years. And I was like, I have to go to this. And I went with my friend. And I, she was not even vegan. I was like, you're coming. <laughs> and she's a massive foodie though. And I knew she'd love it. And that was about a year ago now. Yeah. Must have been. Yeah. Um, and then from that moment, I was like, oh, I'd love to get you on the podcast. I was doing my business before Greedy Vegan at the time, which I've now closed. Um 
But I was like, yeah, I've got to get you on the podcast. And now you're here, which I'm is here. great. I know, amazing. full circle. It's taking, full it's, circle. It's taking its time, but we're here. Yeah, I like it. but that was great. The carousel was yeah. amazing. I had such a blast there. It was so much fun. It gave me, you know, a perspective of how collaborating with other people and how potentially having a restaurant space of my own and inviting other chefs to come in and have residencies. It's something I want to continue to do. And then also eventually have a business of my own eventually down the line where I too can invite other chefs from around the world to come and cook. So mm. it was a really great experience. Yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah. It's kind of like you've got like your mini stage and yeah. like you can yeah. perform, which is really cool. I yeah. think it's great. So my first question is, can you share like your first food memory? Yes. My first food memory, it's kind of... <laughs> skewed i think skewed i think is the word it's quite skewed because have you ever looked at like a photo or a video from when you were a child and thought oh that's the memory that's the first memory so i have this kind of skewed look on my first memory of food uh because of my mother was always filming this is early 90s Mm. uh home home videos so there's there's videos of me eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at the kitchen table and like falling asleep at the table. And so like peanut butter and jelly is just smeared across my face. Uh, so there's like that, that memory, but also without having video or uh, photo evidence of that moment, uh, my mother would make uh, homemade tomato sauce every weekend. Oh, wow. So Saturday I'd wake up to the smell of onions and garlic being sauteed. Uh, and that was... That was a great moment for me as a child, uh, just getting, trying to get involved in the kitchen. Uh, she'd have this large pot of sauce boiling on the on the stove, simmering away all day long. So I'd wow. like go into the cupboard, sneak some bread, dip it in there, and just try the sauce at various stages of the cooking process. So amazing! Yeah, yeah. And what was your childhood like in terms of food? Like, what did you grow up eating? Obviously, you mentioned your mom was great cooking Mm. did you learn from her like what was Mm. your kind of childhood like in terms of food i painted this picture in my head that my family were quite foodie people because i mean you always hear stories of people or chefs growing up around food and being involved and always wanting to be a chef and that was not for me that wasn't my that's not my story but i feel quite left out when i hear other people talking about that my father bought his first two restaurants uh, when I was two weeks old, but they were quick service restaurants, so it was uh, Subway. Mm-hmm. So my dad managed these restaurants, and I grew up in them as a child up until I was about 14, 15 years old. Uh, never ate Subway as a kid. Um, the smell of it alone was enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and I would say food, cuisine growing up it was was quite basic and quite simple because my father did most of the cooking. My mother worked in television, so she was uh, at the at the network from the afternoon to the evening. So my father was more of the uh, dinner cook, and there's four of us. I have three other siblings, so it was mainly pasta. Um, you know, my mom's sauce that she made on the weekends that, that would lost. last the whole the whole week until Saturday came around. Um, a lot of just like simple practi- practical dishes, you know, mm-hmm. rice dishes that had maybe some chicken and vegetables, but nothing ever really deep fried. We really ever went out to eat and um, or had like fast food. Occasionally, if it was after like a sport 
a match or a, um, a game. So it was, I think my parents had to be practical when it came to feeding three other hungry or four other hungry children. Yeah, for sure. But you didn't grow up plant-based. You didn't grow no. in a plant-based household. No, no. So when was the switch moment for you then when you became plant-based? Mm, I think I've, I always enjoyed eating vegetables. I think that's important. I didn't think, I, ne- I never knew, never heard of the term vegan before. So when it was introduced to me, um, this lovely couple, I, I, I thought they were, they, they said vegetarian wrong and they said vegan. And I said, I have no idea what that is. What are you talking about? This is 12, 13 years ago. Um, and in that moment I said, yeah, let's do it. And they're like, wait a second. What? That was, it was that easy to convert you. Um, I think the, at where they were in their stage and where I was at in my stage in my life, I was more receptive to the idea. So I decided to do it in the moment and kind of go cold turkey in the moment and go really just go vegan and that didn't last forever (laughs) that lasted for about three months uh and i couldn't really find inspiration or cuisine and i you know at the time i just felt like it was expensive to find the foods that i need and it was hard to replace mimic the textures and the flavors of what i wanted um and i didn't really know where to look for inspiration or uh, you know inspiration so I I fell off the the vegan wagon mm-hmm. um, and started working more in restaurants. So then, and that's kind of helped me give me the base of what I know now. Of, yeah. Okay, I can mimic these textures and I can combine these flavors and get more of an understanding of cuisine and flavoring. Okay, and were you in like kind of working in food when you made the switch, or did the switch then? motivate you and inspire you to kind of like go down more the food route the switch originally the switch i i always say this i i say i went vegan twice okay um i think a lot of people say they go on vegan and that was it rest is history never yeah. looked back and i i think it's okay to screw up and mess up and then come back to it if you want to um like i did so the 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 initial reason was for for my health uh i have uh, connections in my family or a, a, a history of you know heart disease and high cholesterol and obesity in my family so I just didn't want to be another number mm-hmm. statistic my grandfather passed away when he was 34 wow. I'm now 34 so I'm like wow this is I'm gonna outlive wow that's crazy <laughs> fingers crossed I'm gonna outlive my my grandfather um, he passed away when my, my father was five, so he didn't really get to know him and food really wasn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't know anything about food too growing up. And so it was, no one told, told him anything about food and, and how it could be beneficial and how it could be the, you know, the support that you need to live a long, healthy life. And that's what I want. I want to live a long, healthy, happy life. Yeah. Uh, the second time again was more for health. Uh, so the, the switch was easier the second time around and I wasn't working in hospitality the first time I wasn't working in a restaurant, um, at the time, but it was towards the end of that switch, um, where I came back to working in restaurants. So before chefing and cooking, I was modeling and acting in New York city. So it was, you know, daytime auditions, nighttime working in restaurants okay amazing and my question was going to be like what was your why but I'm guessing it was health yeah and then what was your relationship with kind of like meat 
fish dairy before that were you like mm. loved it or fine or was there a part of you being like yeah what was your kind of relationship with it my relationship i i don't mind it i when you know with you know the people that work with me my team and family if they have fish or meat it doesn't bother me um you know i i think if it's done right and it's done in a in a ethical you know ethically sourced if it's sourced ethically or it has like you know oh this is local you know uh produce or local you know uh options that are from our nearby farm fine cool great like it's okay at the end of the day for them it's food um I, I'm not trying to preach or convert or tell anyone to shift to change their diet. I think actions speak a lot louder than words. So what can I say that is going to convert you? You're not going to be able to change uh, from what I say. You'll change just purely from watching what I do. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the the path I've taken. You have the power to make those changes yourself. Yeah. So I might say go plant-based, but... And you might go plant-based from from me saying that, but it's you that makes that choice, that decision. Yeah. So uh, seeing friends and family um, eat, you know, uh, non-plant-based uh, yeah. alternatives is absolutely fine with me. Um, and I've eaten everything that's probably under the sun. I've So I've yeah. had an experience of trying everything. And there was a period maybe between the ages of, 19 and 22 19 and 23 um where i just being open to uh going to a new city moving to new york city and traveling because of work and just kind of just diving in and trying everything that was out there because you know i was growing up at home where food was quite simple and basic we had chicken and we had beef Mm. there was never any fish we never had fish because one of the you know siblings probably didn't like it or maybe i didn't like it i didn't you know so it was just we're not just gonna buy one everyone's gonna have the same meal yeah you know yeah um do you grow up in a big family it was just me and my brother okay um but kind of similar like when my family aren't plant-based i'm so like you do you if you want it you eat what you eat i eat what i eat it's fine i think that kind of makes it easier like it's no need to overcomplicate it you don't need to create these big barriers between people like I don't know. Everyone's always like, oh, sorry, do you mind if I eat chicken? Yeah. I'm like, why are you apologizing? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. eat your chicken. Do you mind it. if I have my tofu? Yeah, <laughs> like it's just not a problem. So when did the whole kind of Instagram thing kick off? So you mm. kind of turned plant-based twice and then you were like, I'm going to inspire others. When was that mm. moment when you were like, were you posting to kind of keep yourself accountable or were you posting to, because it was just fun to like document what you were doing when what happened there what was the moment Mm. i was in this in-between phase of working in restaurants and then also acting at the same time so there was a real kind of there was a moment where i looked myself in the mirror and thought am i really gonna slug this out for the long haul am i really gonna be an actor for the rest of my life am i gonna try this i did some shows i was in some um, smaller films where i was like an extra or i had like a really small role where i was you know doing the exchange at the at, at the counter with like the the star and so i'd get like a small moment on the camera and it was just am i re- you know i had to look at myself and think am i going to do this for the rest of my life do i want 
to go into audition after audition after audition, be turned away, be turned away. And I was used to that because I would go into casting calls all the time for modeling. Uh, but it was, it, 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 the modeling side of thing, you just show up, you take a few photos, whereas the acting, you are preparing for a role, preparing for a, an actor or a, a character. And there's a little bit more emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit heavier on myself and my being. Yeah. And I decided I'm just going to, you know, move away. Eight years wasn't a total waste, but I'm going to direct my attention somewhere else. This podcast is brought to you by Parler, the sustainable solution to all your oral care needs. After having Dr. Simon Chard on the podcast, one of the co-founders of Parler, I was blown away by the facts that he was telling me such as every tube of toothpaste that you've ever used still exists on the planet today. And that is because the toothpaste tubes aren't recyclable and they aren't biodegradable. So whether you're looking for a high gloss whitening toothpaste tablet or a chewable mouthwash tablet with extra probiotics, Parler have provided the solution to all your oral care needs in a sustainable format. And they also come in this beautiful packaging, which is glass and hence recyclable. So if you're desperate to join the revolution and help me stop the problem of all this plastic going into our oceans, then use the code Georgia Simmons to get 10% off your order and try Parlor today. Head to www.parlortoothpastetabs.com or check the link out in the show notes. Let's get back to the episode. And I decided I'm going to throw myself back into the kitchen, really go for it and see what happens. So I I did that for about six months. I was throwing myself working hard, just nonstop, six days a week, you know, working eight hours, nine hours a day, uh, really trying, trying to see what would come from this. And I decided, oh, I should probably you know, take some photos of the food that I'm making in the restaurant and the days that I have off, I'm going to go out and try food. So maybe I, maybe I'll take some photos of that too. And friends of mine, I was inviting them over. I was cooking for them and they say, you really need to share this on social media. And I thought, Oh God, (laughs) social media. And I just thought at the time, this is 2016, 2017. All I saw was people doing, (laughs) people doing yoga and eating and drinking like you know, acai bowls and drinking skinny teas are like brand endorsements of, you know, a product. Yeah. Um, and I thought, gosh, that's not what I want to do. If I'm going to do this, it needs to be educational. It needs to be inspiring. It needs to be entertaining. And it needs to hopefully intra- uh, transform the way people look, see, and cook food at home, how they store food, how they cook it, how they prepare. So, I thought, okay, I have the structure. I have the format in my ho- in my head. This is what I'm going to do. If I can go back to those pillars of every, you know, why am I taking this photo? Why am I taking that video? Why am I doing this? Does it go back to any of these pillars or these principles that I have? Then I'll I'll be on a path to somewhere. So I did that a little more and more whilst whilst I was working in the restaurant. And one day I went into work and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. This is it. I'm just gonna throw myself into this. I'm I'm that type of person. I don't know if you see this in me already, but I'm the type of person to kind of go all or nothing. Yeah. Throw all my 
my eggs in one basket yeah. kind of thing and see what happens. You know, if you end up with no eggs in the basket and nothing happens, sure, I can yeah. I can find more eggs yeah. and go somewhere else. I decided to do that and yeah, it kind of paid off. Amazing. I kind of resonate with that a lot. Like I'm very much like I've got an idea. I'm just going to throw everything in and then, oh, it didn't work. On to the next. Great. On to the next. Why not? Yeah. It's like I definitely abide by the whole like just do it. Mm. And I just think why not? And like then you learn quicker. Mm. Um so like a big part of like what you do and what you cook and how you cook and how you prepare food is about food waste. Mm. So I think this is super important. Like I think food waste is huge and I think it's amazing that you're educating people to cut back on their food waste so much. But why was that a passion of yours? How mm. did that come into things? I, th it's, I think it's several moments in my life, moments of, you know, real kind of, looking inwards um my mother when i was a child would say don't throw food away there's you know starving children in the world they would eat that if you know uh if they were here you know i also grew up parallel the next street over directly parallel to my house was a soup kitchen so we uh every day going to school every day when we left the house we'd see people lining up to go in and get food from the nearby soup kitchen uh having worked in restaurants and just seeing piles of food on top of things having worked in restaurants and even my my myself at home and seeing piles of food in, in the bin there was a lot of moments that just kind of added up and piled up on top of one another and it made me just think why are we, th there's people who are striving for food in this world. There's nearly 1 billion hungry people in this planet, but we, we here in the global North just throw food away like it's nothing. Uh, and I thought, wow. And we are also throwing away a third of the food that we bring into our own homes here in the UK. So every one, every one third of, uh, one in every three bags of food that you bring into your home, you're throwing away, essentially. Mental. Right? And, I'm, and, I, and you know, if you're somebody who's, uh, you know, you you have a job and you're working long hours, you're working 40 plus hours a week, you have children, you have bills, you have, a, you know, transportation that you have to pay for, car payments, you have a mortgage, we're throwing away, let's say you spend 100 pounds on food, you're throwing away 33 pounds of food away. That's money that you could be saving. So, I wanted, and I was also was living paycheck to paycheck too when I was working in restaurants and living in New York City is not cheap. No. So I started looking at my, my, what I can do in my own everyday lifestyle to kind of save money. And yes, there's the environmental impact of all this as well. Food that ends up in a landfill uh, contributes to global heating, global warming. It has a higher uh, CO2 rate um than than driving a vehicle every day so uh there's there's a lot that's happening with food that ends up in our landfills but what can we do at home we can start saving our food we can sh become you know smarter shoppers we can store our food better we can use the ingredients more wisely we can use the entire ingredient you don't go to a supermarket and just you know take the cauliflower head and give them the stalk and or the stem and say, Hey, you keep that. Cause I'm not using this. I'm just going to use this. Yeah. We take the whole thing with us. Same thing with like the skins and the seeds to other ingredients. We don't 
do our prepping there in the supermarket, though that could be an idea. Um, yeah. We are buying food to bring home to essentially waste it and throw it away. So we're throwing away our money. Yeah, it's mad. I really don't know how I've become so on it with food waste. My family, like my mum doesn't really, she cooks, always cooked for us, but like food is not her passion, which I think is why it became mine because I ended up cooking for the family, doing all the food at home because she wasn't that bothered. She was like, if you want to do it, you crack on. So I just loved it. But I hate wasting food and Mm. everyone laughs. Mm. I have cabbage, it suddenly turns to kimchi. I have something that's frozen. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, I don't know what, I just, I just think I'm literally getting money and just chucking it in the bin. Like that's how I see it. And it is actually crazy. Like people do just think, yeah. I know you've got something in your fridge. Oh, I'm just gonna go get food out. Why? Like you you have it in your, mm. I don't get why you would do that. If you've got food in your fridge, like mm. cook with it, mm. freeze it, you know. But the amount of food waste or like, it is mental. I think I Googled it and they said 9.5 million tons of food gets wasted in the UK a year. Mm. And I was like, that's huge. Yeah. So. I'm guessing that was kind of then why you kind of started to inspire people online mm. of how to cook with all the all the vegetable, all the yeah. And how was that received? Like, did you did you feel like you were kind of talking to a wall, or did you feel like you were talking to people who were like, "Oh my god, yay, you're talking my language"? Like, how did you find it being received? Like talking to a wall. Um, it felt like I was talking to a wall at 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 some points um, because it's so. Sometimes it's like one transaction, right? You, you create a video, you send it, you put it out, and you're like, you're doing one of those, you're tapping on the mic, you're like, hello? Eh, hello? <laughs> yeah, literally. It's me. <laughs> um, is anyone out there? Uh, yeah, and I think it did. It did uh, stir up some people to think more, uh, think more about their food being wasted. So I left the restaurant and I had no job. I had like $200 in my savings account. And I'm like, I need to pay rent. Rent is $800 this month. And I lived with four other people in a, in, in a three bedroom apartment. So I'm like, we gotta, I gotta make this happen. Yeah. Um, so I think from there I started reaching out to people and, and I was a private uh, chef for a family and then people, and random places in America were just sending me messages saying, I need to cook for my family. Can you send me recipes? So I was creating recipes for their family. I'm like, what does your ch- children like to eat? What do you like to eat? Are there any aversion? Like, I was just making it up as I go. And I'm like, oh. and I'm going to save you money while you do this too. So I was getting paid to do this job, these jobs. And that helped me kind of uh, create this momentum. And I had some uh, media outlets reach out to me in the first four months of doing social media, two big media outlets. Now this and uh, BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed Food reached out to me and we did. I did two interviews back to back simultaneously and they were released within one week of part of each other. And each video gained me about 30,000 new followers overnight, each video. So I had 60,000 new followers in like two weeks. Wow. I was like, whoa. And this is 2017, 2018. That's crazy. So uh, I'm like, six months ago, I was working in a restaurant, making minimum wage, uh, you know, working long hours, getting home at three, four o'clock in the morning, uh, literally kind of scraping by to get rent. And now like my video is being, you know, these videos and these interviews are being blasted around the world, millions of views. 
tens of thousands of followers and now being asked to come to the UK to cook and host supper clubs and potentially write a cookbook. And I'm like, the world, like That's see what happens mad. when sometimes you take a leap of faith and you jump and you say, yeah, let's do it. Things could happen. Yeah. A lot of other things like there's, I think there's a lot of privilege involved as well, but I think it's really important to kind of respect and cherish um, smaller victories, moments where you came from, but then also take take that leap and uh, trust it. Yeah, I mean, that is a crazy story. One of my questions is going to be, how have you found growing Instagram? Yeah. Because it's, I feel like it's probably harder now than it was, mm. but that is like a 30,000 followers overnight is a, is a huge jump. Yeah. So how have you found the growth over time? Like, do you find Instagram a very different place now to when it was when you started? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think there's moments, there's these moments where it goes for me, it's, I, there's very, um, clear distinctions, clear moments of when I gain, uh, huge amounts of followers or engagement. And I try not to look at the numbers. I try to think more about the quality of the content that I'm putting out there. Um, and, and really kind of emphasize and focus on that more than, oh, what are the numbers doing? It's important to look at the numbers and see, okay, did this video actually gain me anything? Did it actually produce anything? What was the ROI on this? Did anything happen here? Uh, so I think that's really important. Um, for example, I recently did a video where I went to Jamie Oliver's cooking school or uh, headquarters and cooked for him and his team and did some recipes. And as soon as I posted that recipe video, um, I had about 10 or 20 companies reach out to me and it didn't get that many views. It had, I think maybe half a million views. I don't think that's a lot. Yeah. Um, it might be a lot to other people. So I apologize. But from that, like I said, I think it was around 20, 20 businesses and brands reached out to me asking to partner with me. So I'm like, Oh, interesting. 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 Okay, cool. Uh, so there are clear moments where, my, my following has grown and there it's the interviews instagram introduced reels uh i think it was august 2020 uh they introduced reels and as soon as i got the notification i turned on my phone and said introducing reels and i was like oh what's this oh i could post videos and i was just the week before two weeks before i was editing videos on my phone of me cooking in the kitchen and i've never done that before i was always doing stories mm -hmm. where i'd cook and then end the video kind of yeah. like what people are doing on tiktok today yeah and i was filming on a camera for youtube and i was like i gotta do this on my iphone i think it'll look better and so i started practicing and filming it on my iphone so i already had the video ready so when i said introducing reels i posted the first food reel now, i don't know if it was the first food reel for for instagram but it was one of the first because my, all about 20 or 30 Every day I was posting a, a recipe reel video and every video I posted was featured. They had this featured tab right above your name on the reel and it said featured. I was like, what's this? That's cool. They're featuring my recipe. Amazing. And it was just blasted to everyone. So I had millions. Wow. Every video I did, every morning I woke up to tens of thousands of new followers with millions of views. Wow. So there's these moments and I think that is just being ahead of the curve on a lot of things and maybe it's an interview that's on a big media platform 
um, I don't know what the next one is or what's yeah. what's going to happen. I'm constantly trying to think of what's next mm-hmm. or think about, okay, what is the new format? Um, you hear a lot of people doing, let's make, let's make whatever yeah. that is. Or they end the video going, mm, that's delicious. Yeah. And then the video loops around to the beginning and says, let's make my spaghetti, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was one of the first people to do yeah. that. So I'm like, I, I love seeing it on a lot of people's profiles and channels and I, and I see it across the board and it's like, great, but I'm like, I'm now need to figure now, out what's, what, the, next what's the next thing. I'm like, I've done that before. Yeah. I've done that. Let's, what's the next? Definitely. It's like right place, right time as well yeah. in a way. But then also I'm very much a believer of like, you do create your own luck. Like people won't be listening yeah. to this and be like, oh, wow, that's so lucky. And yeah, I mean, amazing that you had, you know, you were featured in one of those things. But like, I do think you do create that. Like mm. working in food's hard. Yeah. Like you being a chef and working in the kitchen and like, that is hard, hard, hard work. So all of the previous work, I think definitely like pays off in yeah. some way in life. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that is amazing. I, I like the creative side of it as well. I love being able to think of ideas. I'm constantly thinking of ideas of TV shows, series, challenges, food concepts, food ideas. I'm constantly just thinking, okay, what if this works? And building it out and getting on calls with my team and thinking, can we build this out? And sometimes they just end up at a dead end. We don't think this is going to grow. We don't think this is going to do anything. Okay, scrap it. Let's go back. We'll come and revisit it later. Mm. I had a point here. What was that point? Damn it. But I think that's like part of being a creator. People kind of think, yeah. you know, like we are in a world of creators now and everyone can kind of like say the word and just be like, yeah, whatever. But actually there's a lot that goes on behind, yeah. behind the scenes yeah. of that. Last, last night I cooked at Italy. I did a oh, yeah. pasta cooking class, cool. um, taught 15 people how to make uh, vegan pasta from scratch. We made a ravioli and we made a, a tag of telly and everyone's like, there's no egg in this, right? And we're just using flour and what else? And the the ingredient that binds everything together is aquafaba. But before, we don't need to go into that. But the sh- the chefs that were part of the school that were kind of my assistants there last night, um, you know, they started following me on social media. And they're like, wow, how do you cook and film at the same time? Like, I can't, like, I can't grasp it. I don't understand. And I was filming content whilst I was also teaching them how to make pasta. And they're like, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do this. I was like, I'll do it. Watch. Just watch. Just watch how I do it. I am so excited to announce that I am now an affiliate of Huel. Huel plays such an important role in my life. And after having the co-founder of Huel, James Collier, on the podcast, I can confirm that when they say each bottle is nutritionally complete with 20 grams of protein and 26 of your vitamins and minerals, they mean it. I am such a breakfast person, and if I haven't had my breakfast in the mornings, you know about it. But sometimes you need something quick and easy, but I am not willing to compromise on nutrition or taste, and that is where Huel comes in. My go-to flavors are chocolate and vanilla, and if you're listening to this and thinking you need to restock on your Huel, head to the show notes and click the link and place your order today. Amazing. It's just, I think it's, it's, fun, it's fun for me. Yeah. I think I'm quite lucky too when it comes to being in front of the camera because mm. I've had this upbringing of being in front of the camera and this, yeah. the schooling and the teaching and the acting. And so, yeah, yeah. definitely. Put me in front of a camera and <laughs> we're good to go. We're good to go. Yeah. 
So your cookbook. Yes. So what was the inspiration behind this one? This one is all about using up the food you have already. I see a lot of cookbooks that tell you to go out and buy these fancy ingredients or buy this ingredient or buy that. And then you bring it home and you cook. But what happens to the ingredients that you do bring home or the shop that you bring home and you're not using up that food? So this is for that 33% of food that you typically throw away. So I asked my audience uh, on social media for two years. Every month I was asking which foods are you throwing away this month? Which foods are you throwing away? And I collected tens of thousands of responses, a very large Excel spreadsheet uh, of ingredients and the number of people who, who say they're throwing away these ingredients. And I collected that data and I figured out that there's about 20 or 30 ingredients that we're typically throwing away, like the, they're like the main culprits mm-hmm. um, of these ingredients. And I call them the hero recipes in the book. And those ingredients are featured throughout the book. So when you are in a pinch, you need something quick, you want something simple, delicious and easy, you flip to that chapter of, let's say, tomatoes or butternut squash or courgettes, and then you have inspiration to cook that courgette or that pumpkin or that tomato. For me, it would definitely be potatoes and apples. So really interesting you say that because I don't think you're alone. Potatoes are the number one most wasted food in the UK. Mm. Um, 4.4 million potatoes every day are thrown away. And apples as well. About a million apples are thrown away every day. It's just like, really? It's a lot. It's a lot. lot. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. I use Oddbox. I find that's like my easiest way of like getting seasonal. I love the whole concept, Mm -hmm. but I've had to write on it. No potatoes because I just can't. Like, I'm not a massive potato lover anyway. I like sweet potatoes, but I don't know yeah. why. I just don't find I, they just but, don't give much to me. But I, I'm gonna play not devil's advocate, but I'm gonna play. I think potatoes are potatoes are great. I think they require a bit of like like once it once it gets going, mm. you gotta boil the water, then you might have to drain them, and then you gotta put them in the oven and roast, and like 30, 40 minutes have passed already, and you're yeah. just like. It's time. It's labor. Yeah, it's a labor of love with potatoes. You like add something to it as well. You gotta add something to it. I think just steaming a potato is can be. It's, yeah. A baked potato is fine. Yeah. Steaming yeah. a potato and figuring out what you do from there, making a mash. Yeah. Yeah. Then you get it's it's several steps of getting to where you want to yeah. go, and then you're just like left with a potato. You're yeah. like, yeah, wow, it's still it's 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 still a potato. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to make it the hero. Yeah. Like I love thing is a lot with a lot of vegetables it can be like the hero of the meal mm. like courgette you could do a stuffed courgette or you can make you know you can add it to pasta and all yeah but like potatoes like i have still there i have a recipe and it's probably one of my most cooked recipes because i see this on social media i see people tagging me oh that, wow that's interesting i should actually keep tabs of what recipes are made that would be interesting mm. um it's a crispy smashed potato so you parboil it you take it out of the water, you smash them gently so they kind of break the skin. Then you spread this tomato puree, lemon juice, and olive oil kind of marinade. So it has when it's baked in the oven and roasted, it gets crispy on the on the sides. The tomato paste gets a bit um, sticky. It's like mm. almost umami. It has this nice. like charredness to it, um, but like soft in the middle. So crispy, crunchy outer layer, umami textures. And then soft in the middle. My um, my mouth is salivating. <laughs> and then there's like a uh, you could do like a uh, spicy uh, mayonnaise base or what I've 
what I'm doing at the moment is using silk and tofu and adding some spice and flavors and, and zest to it to kind of spread on the base of the plate. So you have some protein, you have the crispy smashed potatoes, nice. pickled red onions, and fresh herbs. So it's kind nice. of like a starter. It could be good for picnics. It could also be, yeah. you can also tweak it for the holidays that are coming up. So you could do with sweet potatoes yeah. and add some like more like warming spices to it. So it feels a little bit more autumnal. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That sounds good. I need to try that. So what's the process like writing the cookbook? How was it? Yeah, for me, I had a lot more time to write this one, which I'm really thankful for. The first book I wrote was I had to finish recipes in three months. It was wow. a really quick turnaround. This I had uh, a year of testing and developing. So every week I was testing three to five recipes. So mm. it really kind of like, and it, I think it proves itself too in the book too, because the recipes are foolproof they're excellent i think they're excellent i think mm. they're amazing uh, and delicious and i still cook recipes from them even still today yeah. and i wrote the recipes over a year ago so wow. i'm continuing to cook from them yeah and even in some of the, like when you met me uh last year at carousel like featured recipes from my book uh and so i continue to cook from it but the the process is really interesting i developed about 300 recipes for the book and there's only 135 so wow. they about 300 recipes testing them out seeing what's going to work testing it on friends and family and, and thinking what do you think of this a lot of recipes were pulled um that were meant to be in the book because some of those recipes also were too closely related to other chefs that were also releasing books oh, interesting i didn't know that would be a yeah thing. well i think my my publishers are really great uh, Ebri and my editors and the team are all great because they're just thinking what's going to be the best opportunity. They want a book to sell. I want the book to sell. Mm. So they're thinking, how can you stand out from everyone else? And if you have recipes that are, you know, closely similar to other recipes or other what other chefs and other cookbook authors have, then what's the what's the point? They can just mm. go and use that recipe. So. I had to, you know, separate myself a little bit from that. And so that required a bit of time and work and creativity and thinking, Yeah. okay, how do I make this more interesting or how do I just make this more simple and not have outside, uh, not noise, but just like um, influenced, not to be influenced by other creators or other yeah. chefs. Yeah, so yeah. kind of closing myself off. And I simply just ask myself, I grab the ingredient, I kind of like sh William Shakespeare with the with the, the skull and like to be to, or not to be. <laughs> and I like grab it and I just look at it and go, what am I going to do with you today? Yeah. And I think simply just asking that question gave me so much freedom to just be playful and fun. Like I can roast you, I can fry, I can bake, I can saute, I can blend you into a sauce. What am I going to do with this today? Yeah. And that just gave me the freedom of like, okay, where's where's my brain going to take me today? Where's the path of this, this one ingredient? And I like starting with the ingredient and just going from there. Yeah, amazing. And the way you promoted this book, I thought was really cool because you've gone, you've traveled a lot mm. and you've cooked recipes with other creators and other people. Yes. And why did you decide to do that? And what was, mm. what's been your favorite moment from that? Like who's the person or maybe what, there's more than one where you were like, that was quite cool. Like that was quite a cool moment. Uh, I think what was really cool. Uh, 
I mean, the very first moment of actually going to Carousel. Mm. Carousel is getting a lot of airplay. Yeah, you should get paid for this. <laughs> Sponsored by Carousel. Yeah. Um, car- uh, being able to go to Carousel and cook recipes from the book before the book was actually released was like um, a promo piece mm. um, six months in advance. Here's my, here's my recipes. Yeah, that's uh, Actually, it was nine months in advance. I think it was nine months in advance. So here's my recipes. Try them out. Uh, let me know what you think. Oh, yeah, by the way, my book is coming out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was fun. It was fun to test that out and try it. And then, you know, we offered, I offered, I think, 50 seats because they can only fit 50 people. I, everyone who pre-ordered the book, with it, like the day that I announced the book, that week, within 24 hours, whoever pre-ordered the book that week or the, in that moment, the first 24 hours needed to send me the receipt or the proof of the proof that they purchased the book or they pre-ordered. And then they would be entered into a raffle to potentially come to a free dinner later that week. Excellent. So we had people who sent in, nice. you know, proof that we bought the book. It's come. I had people from Germany and I had people from Amsterdam travel wow. to come to the dinner. I had one guy take a train from Amsterdam and I was in Amsterdam the week before and went to a place called Margot's in Amsterdam and the people were like, we love what you do. Here's all these like baked goods and sandwiches. They, I went home with cookies and baked goods and croissants and everything wow. and sandwiches and I was like, thank you so much. Um, and I tagged them on social media and the guy who came to the dinner who won I'm not. No, I don't know who's coming. I just hey, congratulations, you won. I don't have their addresses. I don't know where they are. Congratulations, you won. Come to the dinner. He booked a ticket. Took a Eurostar over. Four hours later, he's having dinner. Wow. Went came in for the dinner. I think stayed overnight. Left and went back home the next morning. One girl flew in from Germany to come to the dinner. I mean, it was it's crazy. So for mad. me, like, it's actually yeah, it is quite mad. That is amazing. And working and creating with other content creators has been fun and, and like a great experience for me and meeting other people in different countries. Like I went to Germany uh, for the book uh, release and launch of the book in German um, and worked with other German creators there. Uh, fr- I recently was in Paris and I did content there where, you know, more content will be featured and I'm speaking French, I'm speaking German and the other bits. So um, good. I was, in a, I was in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago. So I worked with uh, content creators out there as well, and we worked on some recipes as well. So it's it's fun meeting up with these people, but I also think the best moment was actually cooking for people and meeting people who have really supported me and you know championed what I do. A hundred percent, and I think also it's so nice seeing that they've traveled all the way. You're like speaking to your yeah. audience. Yeah, that's just super cool. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And what is your favorite recipe from the book? Ooh. I know, it's a hard one. Oh, that is a hard one. The one that I probably make the most is, and it's kind of on repeat uh, every every week or so, I'm probably making my uh, um, tofu butter chicken. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that feature. Uh, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's been beginning. featured so many times. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it just gets better and better. It's, um, yeah. Having like developed the recipe maybe two years ago, like I'm now finding more tricks of how to like 
make it even elevate better. this and then make it even better. So that's fun. It's fun like working on a recipe and just thinking, how can I make this better? Yeah. So the, the tofu butter chicken, tofu is pressed, the water's removed, you tear it into pieces, coat it in corn flour, it's baked, so you get crispy golden brown exterior, soft in the middle, it pulls apart, it kind of tears like chicken. And then you have this warm, creamy, vibrant, fragrant curry insane mm. i think i have create, made it before but a while ago or mm. like something similar like mm. anything and yeah i need to i need to make it from your cookbook because nice. i feel like it's yeah amazing so we have two questions to finish things off firstly i would love to know as a foodie in london where your favorite plant-based restaurant would be or even it doesn't have to be a plant-based restaurant just a restaurant in yeah, london that you that serves recommend. plant-based options yeah i often find that non-plant-based restaurants tend to serve really good plant-based options. Yes. I don't know what it is. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, this is a really difficult one for me uh, because I'm often cooking at home, but there is one restaurant that I've gone, I went to twice in one week because it was that good. I haven't, I've never done that before. Wow. Never gone to a restaurant twice in one week and thought, I'm coming back. And that was, um, you probably never heard of it. It's really small. It's kind of out of the way. It's called Naif's. N-A-I-F-S, or knives, oh, knives wow. or knives. I've asked them, I said, how do you pronounce this? They're like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Is it knives or knives? They're like, yeah, it's whatever. I'm like, okay. Okay, I mean, cool. Wow. Cool. Nafes. So what they end up doing is their menu is broken down into like, uh, like starters. Like you can order from the starter menu or you could just order from the set menu. And the menu, so... You order some starters, they come to the table, and then everyone is allowed like the the set menu. And I think that's what like the whole kind of premise is. Like you come to the restaurant, you're gonna end up having the set menu. Mm -hmm. And it's five dishes, and the five dishes hit the table at the same time. So for and it's a really small kitchen. It's smaller than your kitchen. Wow. So you go in and there's two people in there and you're like, Yep, I'll have the I'll have you know, obviously, you're like anything else, because you know that you're going to get the set menu, and then it comes out at the same time, and it's sharing its modern, contemporary uh, plant-based food, and wow. it's delicious, seasonal produce. The menu is always changing. Really kind, lovely family who run it. I think they're all brothers who run it. Oh, so, like one brother is doing like uh, table service and wine and drinks and cocktails and he's making the cocktails and then the other brother, brothers are in the kitchen cooking so, cool. so it's really yeah it's really, really nice cool. i'm like wow you brothers look really cool calm and relaxed do you get on each other's nerves and they're like yeah sometimes but they look really they're like down to earth really calm people amazing and where is it uh southeast london it's just uh in peckham i need to try that that yeah. is amazing but i also agree with you like normally non-plant-based yeah. is where I'd go. Also for the ambience and the vibe, yeah. I feel like yep. it's always stronger. But if you do find a good plant-based restaurant, then yeah, yeah that is great. So I need to try that out. Try it out. It's out of the way. You, mm. If you get the tube there, you're going to end up having to walk yeah. a mile to get there. Oh, wow, it's okay. like tucked away in a, like a little like uh, community. Oh my God, uh, amazing though. Yeah, it's, it feels very homey. Mm -hmm. It has a really home... Uh, feeling to it have, okay. they have like a really it's very quiet you go there and you're like am I in Peckham oh, uh, nice. yeah it's nice like I would recommend out. getting a a car driving getting into a vehicle and getting yeah. there or riding a bicycle to get there yeah fine okay, <laughs> I would definitely do that cool and another uh, tradition on the podcast is we always finish with the same question which is what would your last meal be starter main course and dessert I know it's really on the spot yeah 
Uh, gosh, starter. I would have starter, main and dessert, starter. <gasps> Oof. What would I have for a starter? Gosh, you're throwing me in the spot. Know. You know what? Because it's it's my last meal, and I'd love, you asked me in the beginning of the podcast, pizza or pasta. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably start with po- uh, pizza. Okay, nice. I'll start with pizza. Start with pizza. Start with pizza. Classic. I like uh, a simple kind of tomato base with some cheese. Yeah. Obviously, plant-based cheese. Plant-based cheese. Um, Do you have a favorite plant-based cheese brand? Oh, man. At the moment, I'd probably probably say Julian Bruno. Yeah. Have you yeah. had them? They're doing well. Yeah. 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 Like their burrata is great. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then what's the other one? On, on, totally honest or honestly, honestly tasty. Honestly tasty? Yeah. Can't wait to try that. Yeah. They're cool. They're great. Um, so I just keep it really simple. I mm-hmm. think if it's, if the crust and the dough is nice, yeah. then you don't need it. And the sauce is nice. Not too sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, not no. too acidity. Uh, acidic um i think just having a simple pizza i don't need 15 toppings no just plain simple plain and simple as well so it's a starter keep it light keep it light keep it easy and then i'd move into pasta pasta for me pasta for me pizza and pasta which i've done and i call that actually um having two dinners i call it a bang bang i love that um so i tend to do this often with with uh with my friends where we'll eat dinner at one place we won't even have starters we'll just have a dinner option and they're like any starters nope we're just going in with those dinner you know the main course and then leave and go somewhere else and have something else and we switch it up we'll do different cuisine so we'll do like asian and maybe uh mediterranean uh middle eastern and you know uh italian yeah yeah so uh i'd have some sort of pasta dish maybe some uh, like a vegan spaghetti bolognese mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, tagliatelle or bici, uh, mafaldi. It, like the pasta shape, I love them all. Yeah. Cavatelli, gnocchi, anything. It's it's fine with me. Yeah. Um, and dessert, I like a chocolate chip ice cream sandwich. Oh, wow. Two chocolate chip cookies in the middle of ice cream. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Where did you get that, which is vegan around it? What? I, I I mean this is this is this is why I cook. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, obviously I, I'm your creator. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Talking of pasta, have you read Stanley Tucci's book? Yes. Yeah. I fell in love with it. I know, it's so good. When he was saying about how like every pasta has its source, I'm like, you yeah, can't like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's illegal. I'm like, you're, you're you're speaking my language, Stanley. 100%. Why didn't I ever thought? Why did I think of that? Yeah, like it's so true. It's so true. Max, thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, I feel like we could just keep talking about food, but like I'd better wrap it up. Otherwise, people are like, come on. <laughs> but thank you so, so much for joining thank me. Thank you, Georgia. It's been super great. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. I absolutely love that episode. So I really hope you you guys did too as always please help me spread the word of ketchups in my kitchen we are really trying to bring you some really exciting and new guests to bring this podcast and take it to the next level so i do need your help in that process and all i need you to do is click the subscribe or follow button on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to help get more people to click on ketchups in my kitchen and listen to the amazing guests that i have on Honestly, it makes a huge difference and it's such a simple thing. So thank you so much in advance and I'll see you again next week.